This is the AZ Brandcast, where we explore Arizona's brand and the brands that make Arizona. I'm Mike Jones. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us on another episode of AZ Brandcast. I'm super excited about this episode as we have Centauri Miner, who is head of strategy for Evolved MD on the show today. Centauri, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. This is going to be a fun fun time. I'm yeah. excited. Why don't you uh, share with everybody a little bit about your background and how you got to Evolved MD? Oh, man. Um, where should I start? So, yeah. Where, where do you where, start? Where start? Well, um, here, here, I'll give you something to start with. Okay. You're an Arizona native. There we go. Yeah. I, I was with there. So I'm an Arizona native, as, uh, as Mike just said. So I uh, grew up here in Phoenix. I uh, went to high school downtown, actually, with Mike, but we did not know yeah. each other, which is so weird to me. So weird. <laughs> so weird. Uh, we were about a year apart there. So uh, yep. yeah, I yeah, grew up here in Phoenix, um, decided that I wanted to get away from the Valley of the Sun uh, for college. So I went to the most random place on earth, which was Greencastle, Indiana. Yeah, um, yeah I looked at- DePau? DePau. 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 Uh, yes. Um, Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> Because I'm sure I just slaughtered it for all the alumni. Uh, there's also a, uh, you know, most people think I'm saying DePaul, which yeah. is in Chicago. Yep. No. Uh, DePaul, small art school in Indiana, uh, where I studied English there. Thought I wanted to be a writer or a journalist. Um, it turns out that that doesn't pay any money. Uh, so Not usually. Uh, not, not usually. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I uh, after college, I came back to Phoenix, worked for, uh, of all places, a publishing firm in hmm. um in Central Scottsdale called Citation Publishing. And then from there, I realized that um, I don't want to just read and edit things all day. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was very soul sucking. And also it just wasn't like contributing to the world. And uh, for me, a big piece of um, my passion is just kind of giving back and uh, being community community engaged. So after Citation, I went over to a a private foundation, the Rodell Foundation, where I ran uh, comps and some program management, and then uh, decided that I wanted to get into fundraising, of all things. Um, (laughs) And so working at a foundation, they're like, well, we have plenty of money, so there's no fundraising goals here. And so I- uh, That's a great foundation (laughs) to work for. Yeah, right. Uh, So they didn't really need me to do that. So I- um, I went over to the Arizona Humane Society. Ooh, uh, yeah, yeah, I went to the Arizona Humane Society for two years. So I did, I, uh, I was their that. corporate development officer, did um, uh, corporate campaigns, um, ran a lot of their, the big campaigns, uh, was on TV quite a bit with dogs and cats, which was always fascinating because I'll let you guys know this. Um, and it became very clear to my coworkers, I'm not an animal person. <laughs> <laughs> so I would be on uh, TV. There's a, there's a show called Pets on Parade, and we also had a great partnership with channel three and so i'd be on and i'd get a text after from my mom that looks that was like you look so uncomfortable <laughs> she's like the only one in the world that actually knows how uncomfortable you are so uncomfortable um so did, I did, you, that. Uh, did yeah. you get that job because you went to depa university no I, uh, that was good that's solid that was pretty good <laughs> that's solid um but I, yeah, so I did that for two years, loved it, uh, fell in love with um, understanding like how to really leverage a brand, how how to leverage storytelling, mm. because we had to do that a lot with uh, a lot of the animal stories. And that was, it was really cool. It was a really cool proving ground and I learned a lot there. And then um, after that, I, uh, I, I joined Social Venture Partners of Arizona mm-hmm. and that's also how Mike and I know each other. So I went on staff there for a number of years, uh, then worked with a uh, I think that one of the most interesting jobs I've ever had was with a, um, a company called Gen Next, which has now been rebranded to Alder. So I worked with purposeful CEOs, owners, and entrepreneurs here in Phoenix, in San Francisco, and in Dallas, mm-hmm. uh, really engaging them in everything social good, which was super cool. 
Uh, and then one of the CEOs of that group actually poached me, uh, <laughs> Eric Osland. And uh, he was like, hey, we're growing this company, Evolved and D, super fast. Uh, I just need someone to help me kind of wrangle in that growth and figure out the strategy behind it. Uh, so we sat down over drinks and uh, the next day I was like, are you serious? And he's like, yep, tell me, tell me write a, essentially write a job description uh, and come on over. And so I did. And so I've been, uh, had a strategy for Evolved MD for about, uh, since October 2020. That's really yeah, cool. That's cool. That's very cool. I love that kind of thread of like a passion for writing. And now it's like strategy for a high growth company. Right. And just... And doing some really cool things, I, you know, I think that's beyond the growth aspect. Right. It's like having an actual impact on people's real lives in a, in a great way. Um, but I love that idea of that, like, that writing's kind of at the heart of everything you do. Right? Yeah, I love it. I was, uh, I was at a wedding, oh gosh, maybe two months ago, and I was sitting with someone who was, um, oh, I forget what company she works for, but her background is in, um, in marketing and, 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 uh, and writing journalism, I believe. And she ran strategy for a company too. And it's like, well, it's because you have the no as a marketer and as a writer, you have to take in information from all these different departments. So you're just naturally mm -hmm. a person that can synthesize it, make it easy. And that's what strategy is, right? Yep. It's like figuring out all these different inputs and putting it out there. So it's actually, I think it's a, it's a very um, common thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think the more I've kind of been in the marketing and advertising world, the more I realize like, most strategists I know are actually copywriters at yeah, heart, yeah, yeah. right? And uh, it's just kind of like cool to see that. I think it's funny in, in our own agency, we always preach like content first, as much as we love the, the aesthetics and the design elements of building great brands. It's like, if we don't start with something really solid right. and we start with a good story, there's nothing else, yeah. right? You, you have can, the best logo in the world, but if yeah, there's no story behind it, exactly. it, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. So that, anyway, that was just cool. A little side tangent there. Love that. But, um, Thanks so much for coming on. Oh, this is going to be so fun. And I, I'm, it's still like, just like you, it blows me totally away that we went to the same high school <laughs> at basically the same time. Yeah. And, and it took me, like, what, 15 uh, yeah. years later for us to be like, wait, you were, yeah. you exist. You're a person. <laughs> I'm a person. We're, uh, we grew up in the same city at the same high school. That's just bizarre. But here blows we are now. Mind. Here we are now. But it's awesome. And yeah. now we're connected and now you're on the podcast and we're doing stuff with social venture partners together. And it's been good. It's working with Read Better, Be Better. And so, uh, so yeah, it's been really good. Uh, tell me more about Evolved MD. What are you guys doing? Yeah, so uh, company started in 2017. Um, and at the heart of what we do is uh, behavior health integration. So what that means is we put a therapist into your primary care physician's office okay. uh, and something that's called collaborative care. So think about if you, Mike, you go to your, your, your physician and they say, hey, we're going to screen you. And it seems like you might have some uh, symptoms and signs of depression or anxiety. Mm -hmm. We uh, now have a therapist here located in your office that's, that can actually take care of those symptoms. And so uh, the idea is that you have a continuum of care um, embedded within a system. And so if you're a person, you get whole body care instead of separating it from your physical, from your mental. Yeah. Um, and so it's been, it's been great. And so it's, um, it's definitely needed right now. I mean, there's mm. just so many, I can give you stat after stat after stat on how harrowing it is for the, the state of mental health. But what we find is that, um, people are really comfortable with their physicians. And so if a physician tells you or recommends, um, behavioral health services, you're likely to do that. And one of the biggest things that prevents people or the biggest barriers is just kind of the access to behavioral health and um, how hard it is to, to get like, to get on someone's schedule, right? <laughs> and so for us, it's you see your doctor and they're like, if, if, the, if Centauri's in the office, you can go yeah. see him right now or we will make sure there's a warm hound off to that. Yeah. So, we, uh, so we decrease that barrier. So uh, yeah, it's, it's great work. Uh, we're seeing a lot, of, um, a lot of health systems and large medical groups that are seeing the, the value of it and saying, we 
absolutely need behavioral health services every uh, at each one of our sites and each one of our clinics. So uh, we've grown quite a bit in Arizona and Salt Lake, and so uh, it's it's been great. Uh, it's it's one of those things where you, you pick one, you get one customer, and then everyone talks, and so everyone's just kind of yep. clamoring. So we're in this really cool stage where we're growing rapidly. Uh, we're expanding the team. I mean. Uh, when I when I started, I was the first non for the first non clinical employee, and there were you know three of us in a small office in Scottsdale, and now we have to move our offices again because we're just so <laughs> we're growing so 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 big. That's but it's a good uh, problem. It's have. a good problem to have. Um, yeah. But it's a um, it's a good problem to have in a world where we're tackling something um, very topical and timely, mm-hmm. and so many people need services, and it's just so hard for them to get it. And so we remove that barrier and increase access, and that's that's something that um, to be proud of. And I've always been what attracted me to this work is that I've been always been very very transparent and um, honest about my my mental health journey and mm-hmm. so started seeing a therapist when I was like 24 or 25 and I, I I just wish more and more people had access to that um, and everyone needs it and so mm-hmm. the fact that we get to increase that access and the fact that we get to be um, a solution for a, a lot of people that wouldn't otherwise have it is it's, it's a wonderful thing yeah that's really cool Tell me about kind of how did the what's the genesis behind the company? Like how did how did it that, kind of come yeah, to be? So it, uh, so my founder or so the founder Eric Oslin actually um, it came to be because he was having um his his dad was end of life uh, and they started kind of a um, um uh, a thing to kind of reconcile his meds. So he was on mm-hmm. a lot of different um, a lot of different medications and they thought there must be a way to kind of bring this down to to just a few so they brought <laughs> more, in a clinical more yeah, reasonable level. <laughs> a reasonable level <laughs> so they brought in a clinical pharmacist um to to kind of uh, bring that in fruition and uh, as a as a side effect or externality of that um they started screening the patients that were involved in this program for um depression they just mm. they just decided they wanted to add a phq9 which is a, a screening tool to all these folks and what they found is that all so many of them had um symptoms of uh, uh, depression, no one had ever even thought about going to see someone for it. And so for their founder, his own dad was one of those people. And he's like, oh man, he's mm. depressed and we just didn't know. Uh, and there has to be some way to catch this. And so um, that's what started the, the company. And then um, uh, the managing partner, uh, Eric Oslin, who founded it, with the other co-founder, Steve Bilgin, um, who kind of operationalized it, found the program, the model, which is psychiatric collaborative care that comes out of the University of Washington Ames Center. They came together with the, the passion and then the commercial excellence pieces and then made Evolved MD in 2017. Mm-hmm. So we saw our first patients in 2017, and now we're just kind of we're, we're growing a lot throughout the valley and again in Salt Lake. Yeah. What's the, you know, if you're okay at me asking, yeah. what's kind of the reasoning for Arizona and Salt Lake? Is there something... In uh, you know environmentally in those in those locations or like I don't know or yeah, is that so, just yeah, happens it just uh, so Eric is a it's Arizona native he grew up in Gilbert yep. so he was just here so it started yeah. there uh, and then one of our I believe that the genesis of there one of our uh, clinical employees was just moving to Salt Lake hmm. um, and so we started looking at things there yeah. and um, we we got one large medical group to say yes and take a chance <laughs> on us and then everyone yeah. uh, in that in, in kind of that area did too and also we look at states where um, Arizona is actually very innovative and at the forefront of. Uh, reimbursing for these services. So states that have okay. high reimbursement rates, states that kind of get integration, yep. uh, Arizona and Utah being two of the two of the big ones. And so it's been rather fortuitous that those are the two states that we've, we've started in. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's so interesting, like how much like early stage growth is dependent on location. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think even in, you think like, oh, businesses that are more B2B, right? In their kind of sales and marketing strategy, it's like, oh, that shouldn't really matter, and yet oh, it still really can play a huge part. Well, for us, and uh, a thing that I'd give Arizona kudos for is that when we were starting, like 
it would we were so lucky that this happened so serendipitous uh when we were starting the the um the state actually just started deploying a bunch of dollars into a grant program for behavioral health integration like mm. we we didn't but it just happened to be there. So there was a bunch of seed money available so that clinics could start it. And so yep. you could be, you know, resound clinic. And it's like, well, how do we actually deploy this? We have the money. What do we do? It's like, there's a company involved in D. So that started, yep. uh, we were right time, right place. And to your point, it just, we were in the right location and that's yeah. what started it. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's yeah. part of strategy yeah. too. Right. Right. <laughs> just right time, right place. Right. And sometimes those are planned and sometimes they're just definitely not. Yeah. They work out. Yep. They work out. Um, how would you, kind of define the evolved MD brand, um, the identity of, of what you guys are putting out there? You know, that's that's ever evolving. evolving sure. Uh, ever evolving. But yeah. um, I think mostly what we think about is people uh, putting people first. Mm. Um, and, you know, a lot of companies say that, but we really do. I think one of the really interesting things that we do, um, especially, and it's very rare for well, any company, but our clinicians really, really dig it, is that we incentivize self-care. So, mm. Part of my bonus is dependent on if I go to the gym, if I do meditation, if I'm reading, and we make sure that everyone does that and tie compensation to it. And so I would say our brand is really, um, you know, people focused. Um, we like to be as inclusive as possible. So we want to make sure that we, one of the things that's kind of in our values is reducing stigma. We know that so many people aren't getting help because they're like, well, I don't want to be seen as crazy or like, this is weird. Uh, and so our brand is very inclusive. Uh, we wanted to be, um, from an aesthetic standpoint, we, we did a kind of a brand refresh when I came on. That was my first, yeah. my first, um, surprise, my, surprise, yeah, right. My first, <laughs> the first thing I was supposed to do is, you know, clean, modern, sleek, yep. inviting, warm, very yeah. warm. Like we have to be a warm. And so I think those things all encapsulate our brand, but mostly I would say it's, we're very, very culture driven. Um, it's, it's something that's like palpable. Uh, we feel it. Uh, we know when people are and are not living our values. And I think that's all kind of showcased in how we, we put mm -hmm. ourselves to the market. Yeah. I think, I think that's really cool that, you know, you're in this field where there's like a very mission minded mm -hmm. purpose behind what you're doing. And you're really trying to incentivize like everyone in the organization to be like, we want you to live this personally too. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's really cool. Uh, some people might liken that to like eating your own dog food, but <laughs> I think that puts it in a poor light. <laughs> Unless you like eating dog food, in which Nothing case, I that. guess that's Nothing a good metaphor. That. But um, I, I mean, you've touched on these a little bit, but kind of unpack like the values. How have those driven kind of the brand um, in terms of like how does the you said people first, um, some of this like kind of living out the the mission of the brand. But how does that kind of undergird decision-making even Ooh, in your company? Yeah, decision-making, that'd be a good, um, I think a good framework would be around decision-making. And so when we think about, um, we, we want to incentivize, we want people to take care of themselves, we're people-focused, um, we want to reduce stigma, we want to kind of live those values. That means that for some things like corporate, for instance, corporate strategy, we can say, like, the, we have a very audacious ambition for this year, but are we going to, are we going to be able to feasibly do all of this if we want to make sure that we have work-life balance and if mm -hmm. the answer is no the answer is no and so we slow down growth because of that i think that's very unique to to any um uh growing company but i think that's a that's something that we are really mindful of and that that plays out in our day-to-day -day of we will not do this if this means that people are going to be spread thin we will not do this if this means that people um won't be able to have you know self-care we won't do this uh, with a partner or we won't choose this customer because they're not treating their employees correctly and mm -hmm. so those things are very important to us and um probably uh, i wouldn't say inhibit 
faster growth, but it definitely makes it so that uh, we're much more thoughtful and intentional about how it's going to impact our employees and our patients. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Um, kind of, we talk a lot about like how values really should be these these edges to your decision making, right? right? Things guardrails, like guardrails, yeah. things you don't want to sacrifice. Yes. Um, and so I think it's I think that's a great example, a way to give people a, a picture of what that can look like on a day to day basis. Right. Of like, hey, wow, we really value growth. There's certain things we value more. Yeah. And we're willing to sacrifice some growth or the way in which we're going to approach that growth. Right. In order to really live out these core values. Yeah. And for so for us right now, it's, uh, you know, um, going out and uh, finding finding capital for uh, just to deploy for staffing. So mm -hmm. for and I, I, you know, kudos to our founders to say, like, if people around this room are stressed out or like or spread too thin, then we need to get more people. It shouldn't mm -hmm. be that Centauri, you're working a 12 hour day. It's like you have your eight hour day and then you have someone else on your team mm -hmm. that can take care of the load. And just having that, that process of like, we're gonna invest in the company, not just because it's the right thing to do from a, a strategy standpoint, but it's the right thing to do because the people need investment. Yeah. Um, is that's, that's something that's definitely true to our values. That's really cool, that's really cool. What would you say is like maybe the most interesting thing you all have done to build the brand or to get it out there? Interesting thing we've done. Wow. <laughs> I know I threw a curveball in here. You know, we've focused a lot on um, a lot on thought leadership. So mm. uh, we are a rapidly growing. We we just don't have like the marketing the marketing spin that you know I would love. But um, <laughs> you'll get I, there. If I were, if you'll if get I were there. Sometime. But what we've done is rely uh, like really leverage and lean on the expertise of the folks that mm. are around our leadership team. So. Uh, we we just put out a lot of content to get our brand out there, and people are seeing it. So, uh, founder Eric Oslin did um, uh, did a piece on good culture drives good business, and talks a lot about how we incentivize self care and how that's just come that's coming to really um, to really elevate the organization. We've done some things on. We just had one of our clinical programs managers write one about uh, how integration really increases access. Uh, for minoritized communities, so she's a she's a black woman PhD uh, on her staff, and we leverage that for Black History Month. And it's like that that's the kind of stuff that's getting our brand out there. So I would say the most interesting stuff has been relying on the expertise mm -hmm. and the stories of the people that are already in our company and putting that out there. Uh, and you know the and you guys will love this as, as marketers, just hearing from people like, oh yeah, I saw that on you know Evolve MD's LinkedIn, or like yeah. oh, I go there every week because I know there's going to be good content. Like starting to hear that throughout, yeah. that. or getting on some of these calls with customers, like that was such a great thing that you guys posted. It's like that's so cool, and there's such good validation points. So when we're going out to the market to other customers we mm -hmm. you know i always try to arm ourselves team with a, a group of links and some collateral that's like show them this and like yep. once you have that out there then it's a, it's a pretty easy deal do you uh do you struggle to get people to buy into writing on behalf of the brand or no like so we actually have that a, stuff um, out there you know we have a uh, i've hired a, a wonderful content uh person yeah uh who sits under me and uh he's it's all, all he does is write so we do a lot of <laughs> we do a lot of uh that's the answer right yeah, yeah, there right, right there you have I a dedicated it. writer on your team um so we have a lot of um he does a lot of ghost writing he does a lot of mm -hmm. um uh, collaboration with our folks. So uh, some like to pin, pin them themselves and some are like, let's just sit down. Um, my content writer name's Evan. He's, he's amazing. Um, let's just sit down with Evan, kind of get the points that you want out across. Then he, the process is like, he'll write it. Um, I'll do edits and final review. We'll have them check it and then it goes yeah. up. And so we're just kind of a, kind of a, a publishing machine right yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. I love that. You've like developed your own like publishing yeah, yeah, yeah. team almost. I never thought about it that way, but yeah, we're Inside. like a publishing house. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Which fits with some of your, exactly. your former background. Full circle. Full yeah, circle. full yeah. circle. Yeah, I think that's, uh, we, we talk with a lot of like technical specialists, mm. right? 
and and they love to talk about what they do, but they have struggled to write about write it, it. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's hard. And uh, every time I'm like, you know, someone else could write it someone for else you. Can do this. Yeah. And they're like, oh, really? And so I always have to ask. I'm like, <laughs> how do you how do you get people? And the answer usually is, no, you hire a writer. You have someone else. They do sit it. down and talk to them. Yep, yep. They get all the bullet points out and then actually craft it into yep. something. But um, yeah, there was there was one client one time that I gave him that recommendation and uh, super smart. Uh, smart guy who's leading a, a really great manufacturing company. They were making, uh, I can't remember the, exactly the right term for it, the magnetic resonance stuff. And uh, I just remember being like, you need content. Like you need like some serious case studies and white papers and yep. you have all these like really smart engineers in your company. And he's like, I can't get any of them to write. And I was like, That's there are other ways to do this. That's why you have other, yeah, I was on a, um, so. I was on this, uh, this kind of marketing panel for General Assembly, and they asked all of us. Uh, and it was so funny because it was like writing in the, di- or it was like marketing in the digital age or something. Mm. And uh, they asked all of us on the panel, like, what's the number one skill that you would hire for? And it's like everyone said writing. Um, <laughs> it wasn't like yeah. any tool or SaaS thing. It was like if you can write, yep. you you are yeah. going to be successful. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know very few roles I can think of that would not benefit from good writing. Being a good writer. Yeah. Um, you know, even just in roles that, I mean, maybe like software development, you think like, oh, you know, I have to know how to write code, but why would I need to know how to write, you know, anything else? And you're like, well, you do send emails. Yeah. And you're you do have, have to, to communicate write. with, you know, whether right. it's your boss, coworkers, clients, direct reports, if you're a manager. Um, and then if you think like, I think people kind of forget about the fact that like most executives, actually their main job is to communicate. Yeah. It's communicate out. And people if you can't write, you can't do man, it. Man, that's really yeah. hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you start a podcast like me. So <laughs> <laughs> I can talk. Uh, yeah, that's good. Um, I'm catching up here on my notes because I, man, we went we went all over the place there for a couple minutes. Um, what? This is a little bit of a loaded question because I love to talk about categories. Okay. Um, is there a category that you would say Evolved MD falls into from like a market standpoint? Or, um, I mean, there's generally healthcare, right? Yeah, healthcare, behavioral health. Yeah, healthcare and behavioral health would okay. be those categories. Yeah. yeah. Do you struggle um, at all like getting your clients to, to kind of understand what it is you do within that category? Are there other like comp- is there competitors out there that you're you're being kind of positioned against? Yeah. So. Uh... Yeah, that question twofold. You know, when I first started, I think it was that the story of behavioral health integration wasn't as touted, mm-hmm. uh, and so it was kind of a, not a hard sell, but it just took a it took a while. Yeah, the sales process was uh, longer. Now it's I, I think um, because of what's going on in the world and that integration is uh, is something that uh, you know the the government's pushing. Uh, the big think tanks are like the best way to increase access to mental health is to integrate it with primary care. Mm-hmm. So most most health systems they get it now. Uh, we do have some competitors that I will not name. But, no, um, you don't need to name yeah, them. Yeah, but we, you know, the interesting thing about what we do is that we offer um, uh, part of our, you know, values or part of what we talk about is our unique value proposition is in-person, on-site, embedded. So mm-hmm. a lot of our competitors are virtual only. Uh, and what we do is we take the approach of like people want to see a therapist in person, and you know all, and our customers are saying the same thing. Yep. That, and virtual will always be a. Um, it's an a, option. It's an option, yeah. yeah. For, for rural communities and everything, it, it, it totally makes sense. Uh, but for your, your hap- and we talk about this all the time. It's if you're having a depressive episode or a manic episode over Zoom, like you're th- what are, 
yeah. as a therapist in a, in a room, I can reach over and say like, hey, are you okay? Or I can give you tissue or I can like physically be with you. If you're over at Zoo, you have no, there's nothing yeah. you can do. And you know, we were just, uh, uh, one of our big customers is, um, is Honor Health locally. And I was speaking with our PR team yesterday about just how do we get some of the stories around our collaboration out. And uh, we, we shared a story about our, um, it, it's, it was, it showcased how the model works. It's supposed to work where a patient uh, went, into, um, went into a clinic was going to go see their doctor. The doctor sensed something was off, but was like, okay. Uh, went to our, our therapist that's located in you know that location. The therapist was quickly able to assess that that person was in crisis. And then our therapist was able to, to meet with them, get them into a inpatient uh, facility that day. All that happened within 45 minutes, right? That is how the model works. That'd be very hard to do virtually, right? Yeah. Uh, and so yeah. uh, for our, us against our competitors, we say we know how to we know how to do it in person. We can do it virtually too, but we know how to staff this right to make it actually truly collaborative. Um, and so uh, the story there is what we're like, that's, that's um, people are picking that up a lot. People like that part of our model and are saying, yes, this is what we, 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 we know that we have to integrate virtual is fine, but man, having someone here would be great. And we also hear that, it, you know, it, it kind of brings down the temperature in an office. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you guys know this, but providers or, um, you know, providers, physicians have one of the highest suicide rates among any profession. Yep. And so just having our therapists there kind of <laughs> to, to kind of settle things down for folks is a, it's also been like a really cool positive externality. That yeah, that's really cool. Think about. Yeah. 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 I, I'm always you know, impressed with, with doctors and just the amount of like stress load and, um, you know, there's, there's the quantity issue, right. But there's also just the things that they're dealing with, with individuals. Oh my goodness. Um, I couldn't do it. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's crazy. My cousin's a ER doctor in Tennessee and the stories she has around situations and, uh, long, long shifts (laughs) that are made longer because of, you know, who's coming in and what condition they're in and the just the lives that you see kind of you're getting the back end of someone's life yeah once they're coming into the er in a lot of ways yep so um yeah so i always i always feel for them um but that's really cool that's an interesting kind of tangential benefit to come out of that that there's a benefit to the doctors and perhaps even their staff just having someone there yeah yeah Uh, that's really cool um it's 2022, mm-hmm. and that means we are still in a pandemic. Yes. As of today, I think we're still technically. Yep. Uh, I haven't seen anyone yet want to use the endemic word. Not so. yet. Not yet. <laughs> I'm just kind of like that's one of those Waiting like things. It. I'm just like I just I want to see who's going to be first. Yeah. I'm kind of curious. So I'm 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 just curious that being a history guy. I like to kind of see like when when do things like shift? When is it going to switch over? When do when yeah. do things like kind of take take the next step in uh, progression and i know that that's coming eventually but for now we're still in a pandemic but i want to talk about just how have you guys navigated the pandemic how has that impacted business how has it impacted the brand um you know for a lot of people there's been challenges but those have also led to a lot of opportunities yes i think that that's exactly it for us so the pandemic, if anything, brought mental health to the forefront. And mm-hmm. so uh, I think it actually um, kind of exacerbated or expedited a lot of our sales funnel mm-hmm. because health systems and large primary care groups are like, our our people are, our, our patients are in crisis. We don't know what to do. And so integrating behavioral health is, uh, you know, the best solution. And so we were able to capitalize on a lot of different opportunities because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, we, we closed for a little bit, but um, we were back in office um, 
you know, relatively quickly after like the first shutdown, and then we're just kind of doing things to mitigate uh, everything. So, you know, we we really do believe that not only just our clinicians, but our people should be in person. Hmm. Um, and so, um, I don't think it hasn't happened yet, but I could see. You know, one of the things we talk about at the executive level is like, will that hinder us on a hiring standpoint? And you know, we 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 said no. If we're going to double down on like, we want our people to be here. Like, we hmm. want. I want to be able to walk over to my copywriter's desk and say like, hey, what's going on? Or like, hey, can I grab you for five minutes? Or yeah. just like, people are struggling at home. Having a having respite at, a, at an mm-hmm. office is um, something. So we didn't realize that that would be such a sticking point for us, but it's definitely been one. Um, but the pandemic also has shown just how you know fragile our healthcare system is. And I think that is something that we've been really thoughtful of, of how, could, how can we best help these people who are frontline workers. Uh, we just did a, um, we did a, uh, a webinar with uh, the Collaborative Family Healthcare Association, where our, our one of our, our people, our director of clinical programs, she's a PhD, Dr. Ruth Nutting did a thing on frontline worker burnout. Huh. Uh, and so she talked about it from the clinical perspective. My my managing partner talked about it from the, the business perspective, but we've been, as, as you asked about how do we position our brand, we've done a lot of thought, thought leadership around like how do you help clinicians, physicians, whatever that might be, medical frontline workers mitigate burnout. Um, and that's something that's been top of mind for us too. Mm. It's like there's a lot going on uh, and a lot of things that those folks, to your point, those folks have to do a lot. Um, uh, the, the clinical programs director also talked about people in those positions typically are type A, so they put a lot of pressure and stu- uh, yeah. pressure on themselves. And so there's all this perfect storm of them not taking care of themselves. And um, we do a lot of work to to help physicians and those folks kind of understand what they need to do to make themselves be better physicians mm-hmm. and providers. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. It's kind of open, almost opened up like this other segment of yes. of where you can live out that mission. Yep, 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 yep. That's really cool. Um, on the the employee side or just the staff side mm-hmm. of things as you've come back into the office have you had pushback as you've tried to go out and hire and uh, obviously as you're growing no not yet um okay no we've had that's a, sweet you know when i uh it's so funny because when i took when i took this job uh i told uh, the, my hiring um managing partner is like hey you know i just i i've never been a person that like just been in the office like I just yeah. you know I've always been kind of around got uh, worked for coffee shops or home or wherever and I think I've been to the like I love being in the office right we mm. have just like such a good atmosphere and there's such good collaboration I think our folks feel that and like yeah. they like being that uh, being there I my team I'm like you can work from home if you want and they're like no I just I like to come in I like being here <laughs> I like seeing folks that we haven't seen That's it cool. but it's definitely um and we also talk about um to the point of competitors we mm. we were going through kind of a go-to-market uh, strategy session um, with the sales team, and we were thinking through like, what is our, what are some other things that we can say as our unique value proposition? One of them was our leadership team is all in one place, mm. and so a lot of our competitors, their 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 C level or their director level is, you know, San Diego, yep. Memphis, here, but like we come together in person as a as an executive team at least once a week for two hours, and I think there's something to be said about the things that come out of that rather than you know being on a Zoom call for two hours with those people. So yep. yeah. No, that's really cool. I, I only ask because I see so many conversations right now yeah. around remote work, and I think there's a there's a very big push that I've seen to kind of note all the benefits, yeah. right? And there are there's significant well, there's benefits. Great benefits to remote work. Um, but I, I've been kind of waiting to see if there's going to be a little bit of a shift back to say, hey, th- it's not an either or situation. There's there's benefits on both yeah. sides and. How do we as a company kind of figure out what our culture is and what our preference is and how we want to do work? Um, So, yeah, that's why I was 
when you hybrid is the, I mean, yeah. hybrid is the way we don't require, like no one's required to be in the yeah. office every day. So it's like work, work, however your schedule, um, however you need it to be. There was a uh, article that I shared with the team yesterday that just talked about this, about, you know, Gen Z and those folks that just graduated in like 2020 have actually never been in an office. Mm-hmm. And that is creating a lot of, a lot of issues. Yep. Um, not only from the employer side, but the employee, employee side on just loneliness, yep. uh, not getting the intangible things of uh, one. I remember one, um, one person that they interviewed in the story was like, you know, Typically, like if I if I started at Resound, I would be able to walk to you and be like, yeah. "How do we even like how do we save files? Yeah, or how do we do these things?" And they're talking it's about just well, like I have to find, natural yeah. training that happens. Yeah, yeah. And there's like I got to go office. through Slack, and then I feel stupid for asking someone how we save files, yep. so I don't do it. It's like those things that I didn't even think of. So yep. they're not even getting the training uh, that they need just from being you know um, close and close yeah. proximity to someone. So that was fascinating. I do think uh, for us, it's always going to be hybrid uh, with a with a strong push for. Um, in person, but letting people be flexible because I do think there's just so much to be said about um, be, being with your team mm. and learning that way. Yeah. Yeah, and I think what I've seen too that's really interesting is how much that that in-person matters so much when you're on the earlier side of your career. Yes. Um, I, yes. Had a, I had a friend who had just started a job within I think like two months of the, of the shutdowns and all the pandemic stuff in, in March 2020. And... Um, so he went from in office for about eight weeks to completely remote. And he said that for him, early in, he's earlier in his career. And so he's like, that FaceTime I was getting with my boss and the training that was just naturally happening where like if I got stalled on something, I could just turn around and say, hey, help me get unstuck. And now he's like, I have to schedule that. I have to schedule five minutes or see like, are you on? Yeah. yeah it's, it's and then mass, he's like, yeah. and I feel the pressure of like, I haven't gotten things done. And so he's like, it slows me down. It slows the organization yeah. down. Um, it's gotten better. I've yeah. kind of checked in with him. But um, yeah, it was just really, that was an eye-opening moment for me because I think being in a different position, right. <laughs> I'm like, remote is great and in the office is great. And like, we're super flexible and our team's all over the place. All over the place, yeah. Um, but we also don't have a lot of early people earlier in their career. Yeah, I do think you make that makes a, a point big about difference. like the, um, the stage of career. Cause I think once you're in, like, you know how it all works, yeah. you, you know, the questions to ask, but if you're just out of college and you're trying to figure oh, it man. out, it's like, I don't know. I've never done this before. I can't so, imagine. Yeah, I, that would be so hard. That'd be man. so hard. I would. Yeah. I think that that stat was really interesting that like, you know, almost everyone who graduated from college in 2020 has never worked in an office. They're not in an office. Yeah. That is yeah. crazy. And I, it'll be curious. I'm curious to see how that plays out like 10, 10 years from now. Like yeah. what, what deficits there or advantages they might have yep. to, to, to the other folks. Yeah. Yeah. No, it'll be interesting. I, I think there'll be a lot of like, for some, it's going to be really good. Yep. And for others, it's, it would have been, yeah. man, that was really hard. And it yep. kind of set me back. Yep. And probably a lot of it comes down to like learning style and yeah. uh, maybe some other like skills or resources that you might have or not have or not have. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see that play out. Um, what's uh, what's coming up for Evolved MD or for you? I mean, what what uh, what are you excited about next? So we did uh, we just finished our kind of annual strategic plan, uh, which is a, a follow up uh, from what we did in 2021. And I'm actually writing an article about uh, like the, the process of it. Uh, so I'm excited about to, to publish that. Um, but, yeah, uh, we've onboarded. So our executive team, our leadership team is finally like built out. And so mm. now we can just get to run. Like I'm <laughs> super excited. Uh, so I'm excited about that, the growth. Um, we've publicly talked about our ambition to be an $11 million company this year. So I think we're we're, we're on track for that. And that's so great. that's super exciting. Um, 
what else? And and we're also just trying to figure out how do we you know change the conversation on 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 behavioral health. And I think we have a good marketing plan and some thoughts around that. So it's exciting to be at the helm of that. Um, for me, I don't know. Um, you know, I, and Mike, you know this. I'm very involved in the in the community. Um, and so. Uh, always excited about that work. Like, I, I, you know, Evolve MD definitely feeds my passion, but I also get a lot of, um, just a lot of love of doing work in the community. So I sit on a number of boards. I'm doing all the programming for Phoenix Startup Week. Yeah, so you are. If you want to, <laughs> by the way, if you want to speak at Phoenix Startup Week, please let me know because uh, I need to. I'm, yeah, I'm let's going, chat. Yeah, yeah, let's chat. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a lot of what's happening for for me in the, in the that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, not to, uh, I don't want to steal any thunder. Uh, in terms of this article you're writing about your process for strategy, is there anything out of that that you'd want to share a little bit? Yeah. Sorry, that piqued my interest. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, no, ooh, so I, yeah, yeah. Um, unlock the, the big piece was behind about, the scenes. Uh, how you have to get buy-in of the process early on. Mm -hmm. So like, make it very transparent. Of like, this is what we're going to do. This is how long it's going to take. This is the input that I'll need from each of you. So what we, what we, when I looked at it, or when I, when I came into Evolved MD, I was like, well, how are we going to, how are we actually going to deliver on this ambition? And it was looking at kind of um, kind of five buckets, which were around um, increasing the infrastructure, so just like operations, right? Um, strengthening the strategy internally, so the people. So how are we going to you know empower our people? Uh, there's the I, I would just put it in the bucket of like product development and op mm -hmm. optimization. So the clinical delivery piece, what are we going to do there? Um, the sales the sales funnel, and then the brand awareness and marketing. And so putting those everything that we do between those uh, in those five buckets and then kind of going from there. So I had each of our um, each of our executives kind of give us five things in those buckets. And then we came we came together, iterated. We talked about it. It's like, what did I miss? What did I not miss? And so we came up with this really cool, cohesive plan. And um, we have a really cool like infographic out of it. Mm -hmm. I'll send it to you. But yeah, I think the, the big thing was like getting buy in from folks. Um, and then also we're for I, I, I think what my the managing partners did that was so smart. It was like the first and on clinical hire me mm. was strategy. Like yep. they, that was the first thing they went for. And so now they have, we have a company where there's a person that actually helms it and, uh, and spent a lot of like most of my time was galvanizing us around those ideas, figuring out and asking the right questions of each of our executives of like, how do you want to, um, how do you want to be a part of this big ambition? What are the tactical things that you need there? And so I was really, really, really fun getting their buy-in. And then also, um, Having areas of healthy debate uh, mm. was like really really cool for us to say like we in a world we have finite uh, amount of time and resources yep. is this actually something that's yeah. a strategic priority <laughs> and like debating and being yeah. like yeah, people holding their ground and saying yeah like we need to do this this year or you know what you're right that's not something that needs to be a 2022 priority so that was also fun that's really cool yeah. I love kind of unlocking that box and like seeing behind the curtain of how people come to make these decisions right because that's a, a, a lot of strategy is just it's decision making. It's decision making, yeah, and um, creating the guardrails for yeah, exactly uh, and, and a framework. I, yeah, for that. a framework for that, and then also seeing what um, you will and won't do. I do mm -hmm. think it also helps us be like, this is what we decided on. So if this comes out of left yep. field, like, nope, not this. Focus, year. yeah, focus. <laughs> this is what, this is what we're going to focus on. Yep, yeah, 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 yeah. And even then, it doesn't always work. It doesn't always. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, we 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 talk about this all the time. It's like, well, here are the five states we're targeting, but if like someone in uh -huh. Idaho is a twenty million dollar opportunity, it's like we're going yep. to Idaho. So yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I think. Uh, what was that like four years ago? We sat down with our business partners with Resound and 
and we tried to be like geographic. That was one of the categories that we had tried to use to formulate our vision and our strategy. And I think within like six months, we were like, nah, this is the totally wrong way. This is <laughs> the wrong that. grid behind which we, we need to be more opportunistic than <laughs> yes, this when yeah. it comes. There were, it was other things that really mattered a lot more than geography. Um, yeah. than geography. And uh, it was like more about client size and industry and even just like, um, intangibles around like their thinking around brand and is there yeah. someone in in the company who can really be that champion for the yeah. brand yeah um so yeah it's been it's been kind of fun to kind of figure out some of those things where you're like yeah in the strategy book it tells me to use like geography as one of my yeah you know potential qualifiers and then you're like nah. nope 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 so and it, it would have led us down a very different road than where we are now wow, too okay. you know there were things where we were it was almost at odds with some of our other pieces where like, you know, we don't want to be a, a really large agency. We're not looking for, you know, massive headcount growth. We want to grow in these other ways. Um, but to then see how like, oh, if we really want to attack a certain geographic area, we have to hire staff there. Yeah. You have to be physically planted physically there. there. Yeah. Um, and realizing like, oh, that's not really how we want to go about growing and finding more clients. That's really interesting. Okay. We want to do it more relationally and, and less geographically. Okay. So, which was funny. It was at odds with a little bit of an interpretation of one of our core values. We said local culture was one of our core values. And we're still trying to figure that out. It's like, what as the, we grow. Yeah. What does that mean? When we have clients who are not in Arizona, what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, we've had to kind of shift some of our thinking around. That doesn't necessarily mean that we are Arizona focused in our sales and marketing. Um, it's more about wherever we find ourselves and whatever client we work with, we want to instill a value of local culture yeah. wherever, wherever that they is. are. Yeah, yeah. So if our teammate is in Idaho, local culture in Idaho. And if our client's in Chicago, local culture in Chicago. In Chicago. Um, and how do we instill that and inspire that through those relationships? So anyway, it was kind of a random Random side tangent. All right, so uh, we're almost done. I got one final fun exercise for you, Centauri. I oh teed you up before the, before the podcast about this. So we're going to play a little game called Name 10 Things. Okay. I'll give you a category. Name 10 things in that category the best you can. And there's no wrong answers. We'll keep tracks. So you don't have to count them. And uh, we'll just see what kind of happens. It's always <laughs> kind of fun. Okay. So name 10 innovations in healthcare that you're most excited about. Or business, if you want to oh, broaden okay. it up. Um, ten innovations. Uh, ooh, man, this is hard. Um, <laughs> they don't have to be real, and there's no wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's one of the rules of name ten things. They don't have to actually be real. Whatever pops in your head first. So it's like something that if it could happen, that would sure. be Sure. Cool. Yeah. Um, or is happening, and you're excited. Or, or would never happen. Or would oh. never happen. Maybe that's easier. Um, Look at us. We're improving the question. <laughs> Ooh, I do think it's not an, well, it is kind of an innovation um, would be getting uh, mental health parity. So mm -hmm. right now, um, the, uh, th there's a lot of legislation to, to say that we need to fund mental health the way that we fund physical health. And so mm -hmm. that, that insurers and everyone has to fit. So I think that would be like super innovative if the country actually got that done because there would be more money behind uh, mental health services. That's one. One. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Only nine more. Uh, or you broaden it to business. Business. Um, just innovations. I, whatever category you want to pick. 
I'm sure some way to tie it back to healthcare anyway. So. Yeah. Like robotic dog socks or something like that. Mm. Could be anything. It could no, be anything. no pets though. Gotcha. No, no. Yeah, no we pets. can't. There's no pets. <laughs> no pets. Um, <laughs> gosh, I'm trying to think like what I would love, uh, like what innovation I would love to have. Um, Hey, let's see something around um, innovation. Like it would be cool. If there's something around like talent acquisition, mm. right? So right now, everyone like I was having lunch today. Like there's such a disconnect. Like employment rates are low, but like no one can find. Like where is everyone working? And like if there was an innovation around like, hey, I need I have these skills. Um, you guys are in it, just a better way of matchmaking. Yeah. And it seems like there's a bunch of technology out there, but it's still like not quite working. Yep. So a better way to matchmake, um, that would be a cool innovation. What if it like forced you to go work for that company? <laughs> <laughs> there was something. That's where... so cool. It's like you match. It's like you're there now. It's like a... <laughs> you've worked there now. <laughs> yeah. It's like a draft, but for business. <laughs> that would be awesome. Cool. See, we came up. That would be yeah. so cool, right? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh, I would love that. So that's two. That's two. I'm not going to get to 10, guys. It's um, okay. We'll uh, see how far we get. Don't let, worry about the see. 10 thing. Um, I've heard I've heard about this, but I don't know like how uh, how how good it is. It's like um AI copywriting. Ooh. Have you heard? Yeah. Yes, I so have. I I I think that's like interesting to me. Yeah. I I still think it's going to be so human centric yep. like i don't know how you would quite ever do that but it would be interesting to see so i'm uh, that's something i'd be yeah. excited about just if only to kind of see it um i think i think it's coming i mean you already see it with headlines there's like ai headline writers oh really yeah in the ad like ad agency or no, i don't know about agencies but in the ad world there's, really there's like algorithms that'll try to spit out headlines huh okay yeah um or uh, all my favorite no, none of them are my favorite, but there's a bunch of YouTube videos now that I'm realizing are all, it's not necessarily the copywriting side, but it's the, uh, all the voiceovers are AI generated. Oh, really? So they're just pulling transcripts and then it's all being voiced. And it's like, That's so some weird. of them are like just close enough that you're like, it's like that uncanny valley stuff where yeah, you're like, like ah. yeah. Um, however, COVID becomes an endemic, like that would yes. be like an innovation. That would be pretty good. Like once we can get past this. So innovative great. to yeah. think that it could be. <laughs> yeah, like, so one day it'll get there. Um, that's four. That's four. I'm I'll, hoping we're close. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, I'm trying to think some, some um, I'm trying to think pain points that we're having uh, as we grow and scale. Man, I, I got nothing. I gave, yeah. I gave you four. Oh, I gave no, you I four. love it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with one, though. I'm going to go with embedded behavioral health pets. Ooh. Embedded. Just embedded, because they're in the practice. Yeah. yeah. We could have, oh, my gosh. Oh. There's, uh, I mean, there's a lot of research around, like, how yeah. pets enrich yeah. lives. So that's very true. Yeah. yeah. That'd be cool. For, for most people. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you, Centauri. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, nah, nah not a pet. Yeah, Usually not. you pair... Yeah. Uh, babies with pets, so maybe yeah. you could get babies too. So at the hospital, just you like deliver and you get a pet. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then you reduce like the unemployment rates too, because babies are just so lazy. They don't, <laughs> they don't work. Oh, oh, I see. The baby gets embedded. Yes. yes. I see. Because okay. people love babies. Yeah. Here, here. I'm just so many ways like it's gonna go really wrong. <laughs> Certain behavioral health issues yeah, and babies don't yeah, mix. Yeah, not, not great. Uh, not great. Not great. Not great. 
you got a crying baby. <laughs> oh. And it's like, well, at least, you know, it could be worse. You could, could be, be worse. the crying baby. <laughs> it could yeah. be worse. That's so true. <laughs> you could be the crying baby's mom. <laughs> yeah. It could be worse. Yes. Uh, Centauri, thanks so much for coming on. I love this how we're awesome, wrapping man. this up. This is so fun. Uh, if people want to find out about more about you or EvolvedMD, where can they go? Uh, EvolvedMD.com or CentauriMinor.com. Yes. Yes. That's awesome. Um, thanks so much for coming this on. This is so cool. This is I so fun. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And for everyone listening, thanks again for listening to another episode of AZ Brandcast. We are super excited that you checked us out today. If you want to find out more about our podcast, find any of our back episodes, you can go to azbrandcast.com. We have tons of interviews with great people just like Centauri talking about great brands here in Arizona. And uh, if you want to reach out to Sam or I or anyone else on our team about uh, our podcast or anything else we're doing, you can hit us up there as well, azbrandcast.com, and get on our newsletter. And uh, just want to remind everyone, don't forget, you are remarkable. The AZ Brandcast is a project of Resound and is recorded in Tempe, Arizona with hosts Mike Jones and Chris Stadler. It's produced and edited by Sam Pegel. Music is produced and provided by Pabrid, an Arizona-based music group. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and at azbrandcast.com. If you'd like more episodes, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. To contact the show, find out more about AZ Brandcast, or to join our newsletter list to make sure you never miss another episode, check out our website at azbrandcast.com. Copyright Resound Creative Media, LLC, 2020.